from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't make them like us. We're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. This is the Blitz at Six. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at Six. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Friday, April 24th. Day one of the draft in the books. We made it through, friends. How you feeling? Blood pressure raised a little bit. The Seahawks actually making a selection in the first round. Not trading back or out. Shocking many people. It's for the first time since 2011 that that's happened. We'll discuss their selection yesterday, surprising a lot of people, and taking linebacker Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech at pick 27. There was a trade that happened right before that. Jordan Love, the Green Bay Packers moving up to select the quarterback out of Utah State. How does Aaron Rodgers feel about that? But John Schneider on when that trade happened, that the Seahawks actually had one in place it fell through and they took the best player in their mind on the board remaining to them in Jordan Brooks where we he fit into this defense especially in what appears to be a pretty stacked linebacker group one that you invested draft capital in last season as well and who is the first teammate to text Pete Carroll for information on him that he could call him up and welcome him to Seattle we'll also hear from Jordan himself all ahead in this hour right here on 710 ESPN Seattle, let's get to your headlines. For the first time since 2011, as mentioned, the Seahawks didn't t- trade down or out out of the first round. They actually used their original first round pick. At number 27 overall, the Seahawks selected linebacker Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech. So with the 27th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Seattle Seahawks select Jordan Brooks, linebacker, Texas Tech. Shocking many people, the Houston, Texas native, six foot, 240, and speed is the name of the game. Uh, ran a 4.54 40-yard dash, and you see it show up on tape. If you caught some of his highlights yesterday, scrambling uh, to YouTube to catch some of Brooks. As a true freshman, he earned the first of three honorable mention all Big 12 honors. He started 11 of 12 games and led the Red Raiders in tackles. Uh, that is a common theme, as Mel Kuyper Jr. mentioned on the broadcast last night. He is a tackling machine. He became a really popular scout prospect, though, in 2019 when he earned second-team AP All-American and first-team All-Big 12 honors. He led the Raiders that season with 108 tackles, 24 loss, ranking in the top 10 nationally, and then three sacks in just 11 starts. John Schneider yesterday on why they made this selection. So it worked out great. Really, really excited to to add a real tough, uh, great person. You know, Jordan's the youngest at seven. He's got a he's got a twin sister. He's he's been through a lot. He's overcome a lot. He's got a ton of grit. Uh, he's our kind of guy. Uh, can fly 233 pounds and ran 4.46. And you know, just just a great kid. He had a great formal interview at, at the combine, and um, he's just uh, he's just a real passionate kid. F- football football's the deal for this guy. Schneider uh, with more on Jordan Brooks as well, including how he transitioned uh, positions in college in his career. I uh, started out in Houston or in Dallas, 
moved to Houston, you know, was, uh, you know, was homeless for, for a while there. And he's just got that, that, that grit that we're out. We always talk about and that edge, that chip on the shoulder. And, and, uh, we're excited to get him in his pro in the program, you know, his junior year, he played kind of out in space a little bit, kind of as like a, like a little bit of a, uh, a, a, a Rover in in the big 12. And then last year he played inside and, you know, went through a new staff. The Utah staff came down there and really adjusted and and, and did a great job with the the, uh, uh, the strength coach. Did a great job working with him and and he bought in and he really ripped it up this year and had a great. He did a great job after the season, getting ready for uh, throughout the season and then in the off season. What he did at the combine was was phenomenal and a lot of guys with a lot of conviction on the guy Josh Graff and. And Matt Barry, the two guys that went into the school, had a ton of conviction on them. Pete Carroll also speaking to Jordan Brooks and consistency. We heard it from, I think it was Russell Wilson on with Colin Coward last week, uh, talking about how MJ was so great at being consistently excellent and that he, in his mind, views consistency as a you know, as a form of excellence, Pete Carroll mentioning that word yesterday when describing Brooks as well. I think that consistency really is speaking to the makeup of the kid. You know, his, his staying power, and they recognized it early in him. He was able to maintain it and hold it up and, and perform and produce over a long period. It's a really good characteristic for, you know, some a performer. And so it just gives us so much confidence in picking the kid. It was uh, really a strong pick by us in, in that regard. And Pete Carroll on his skill set as well. We just uh, found a guy that really could check all the boxes. Um, we love his attitude. His, like John said, it's just his mentality. Just really, really on it. His versatility, he's played, like John said, he played the uh, first couple of years. And did his playing time was outside, in, more in space. This last year they changed schemes and put him really in a position where he was – a lot of the time he was responsible for the quarterback and would chase the quarterback and spy him. And so he, he was up in the line of scrimmage and pressuring. So we've seen him do a variety of, of things. All, all of that is great, but sounds like his competitive spirit and the in-person meeting and interaction they had with Brooks more than anything made him uh, jump out and stand out for those guys. They talked about what stood out the most from meeting with him. Clear communicator, strong attitude, set us in a comfortable place knowing that he's going to be a tough guy coming in to, to prove it. Uh, you know, not this big, flowery, big time, big time guy. He was hard-nosed, work ethic kind of mentality that we really just it just we accepted right off the bat. So came across great. Pete Carroll also saying his confidence as a leader really stood out to them. That The interview that they had really went well. And John Snyder adding that his dedication really stood out and also compared him to uh, someone that was recently drafted. The dedication that he has is, again, he's, he's, you know, when Cody Barton came in last year, he had a plan for every single day lined up the way it was going to go. And I think this guy's going to be very much the same. According to NFL.com scouting report, a couple of strengths that they listed is that he's quick to diagnose and key the run, aggressive downhill attacks, and leading to a lot of tackles for losses mentioned 20 in his senior season, Uh, skilled at sliding under climbing blocks, and then impressive instincts. That's uh, one you'll commonly hear mentioned with Brooks. Plus he's got the speed to add to that. And Schneider really mentioning that as well. His his speed stood out. Yeah, it was it, it was a combination of those things, absolutely. And, and the fact that you know he was able to transition so quickly, you know, with Matt Wells' staff this year from you know the Utah State group, and uh, you know when you when you're watching that when you're watching that conference, 
you know, there's a lot of speed in the field. There's a lot of area to cover, and this shows up all the time. So he has the speed. He has great ball recognition skills. But one thing that Schneider mentions that he needs to improve on, speed contact. Downhill, sideline to sideline. He's got great ball skills, and he can react. He reacts very quickly. He's got great feet. I think the thing he would tell you is that he needs to, you know, he needs to bring his feet on contact a little bit, a little bit more. Um, and he talked about that in the formal interview as well. He also missed time with a shoulder injury during uh, last season. Brooks played outside linebacker for three years, then middle linebacker his senior year. He spoke in his conference call on playing both those positions and making that transition. I played outside linebacker my first three years at Tech, pretty much. And this last year, we got a new system, and uh, they moved me to true middle linebacker. So I feel feel pretty comfortable playing either position, you know. And then in high school, I played outside, outside linebacker my whole career in high school. So it's something that comes naturally to me. So if that was, if that's a position that they're looking at me uh, playing or anything like that, I'll It is a pick that surprised a lot of people because when talking about needs for this team, the linebacker core at least appears pretty strong. And a lot of people hoping to address at the line of scrimmage, whether it was on the offense or the defensive side of things. Uh, Pete Carroll saying that his versatility is a huge draw for them as well. And they already have a pretty uh, good middle linebacker in Bobby Wagner. But Brooks can also play Sam and he just adds more versatility to the team. He he could. He could play outside. You know, uh, we played Michael Kendricks at that spot last year. He has a lot of similar traits. Um, behind the line of scrimmage is, is exciting to see a guy that runs that fast and, and comes downhill at you. So it's it's just a, it's a really good situation. We're really not worried about it at all. You know, we love the, the versatility in our players. KJ played inside and outside. You saw Barton play inside and outside. Bobby has been really at the fixture inside. Everybody's got flexibility. It, this is just going to be something really fun to figure out. And speaking of Bobby, a great person for him to come in and to learn from. Pete also mentioning Bobby was the first one who wanted to reach out and contact Brooks. The first call I got was from Bobby. He wanted to have uh, his tech, tech information so he could get to him right away. Uh, we need we always need to get faster and get tougher on defense no matter what spot we're talking about. And, and Jordan will fit that perfectly. And we're really excited to add him to, add him to our defense. Speaking of Bobby, Jordan mentioning that that he sees himself as the competitor like Bobby Wagner is. I see myself a lot the style of play of Bobby Wagner, um, you know, kind of a series of build. But, you know, what I think I bring to the table is just aggressiveness, passion, and just toughness and discipline. You know, it's something I pride myself on, some of my core values, you know, that I take with me, you know, as I enter. But I think, you know, the fans and organization they just get ahead of the football player you know I'm a linebacker but I see myself as a football player player that can do anything you know just with my God-given ability you know that I've been blessed with I feel like I can do anything you know and add a lot of value to the team coming up next on the blitz uh, we hear from two of the best uh someone who played the linebacker position our own Dave Wyman and Brock Heward who spent a lot of time uh watching college football not just last year, but his entire career. And we'll hear from him, his thoughts on this selection, plus uh, more from Jordan himself and uh, his incredible story to the draft and to the NFL next on The Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. 
Welcome back to the Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you. Friday, April 24th. We made it to Friday, day one of the draft. Officially on the record in the books. And more coming your way today. Keep it here on 710 ESPN Seattle for your complete draft coverage. Also, you can text draft to 710-710 to follow along with every pick. Yesterday, we got to hear from some of the best here at 710 reacting to the selection the Seahawks made at number 27, taking linebacker Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech. First uh, first off, actually, let's hear a little bit more from Pete Carroll and John Schneider. Uh, the fact that the Seahawks didn't trade out or trade back in the first round shocked many people, but also considering these were some unique circumstances. And John Schneider admitting they had a trade lined up, it just fell through yesterday. Real excited, obviously, with Jordan. Uh, we took the best player on the board. Uh, actually had a trade set up a little bit to go back um, – a little bit. I can't tell you where, but uh, uh, fell through at the very at the very last minute, and bang, and he was still there. And yeah, I couldn't tell you exactly where, but later Schneider did say that he was talking to the Packers at one point. Yeah, I was. I was very surprised. I thought that uh, more people would do things. It felt like things just kept coming off. But we were ready. We were prepared. Our guys, you know, uh, Scott Fitter and, and um, Matt Thomas. You know who's who turns in the trades and Matt Barry who turns in the name and you know I was speaking with uh, Brian Gutekunst too so he was cool he was like hey sorry man we got a better deal and all of a sudden they were on the clock <laughs> it happens and at number twenty six they ended up jumping in front of the Seahawks and taking Utah State quarterback Jordan Love so Schneider saying then at twenty seven Brooks was the best player on the board remaining to them, and that's why they selected him. Pete Carroll also mentioned yesterday that they're in this draft to select players who will have an immediate impact. I think that the work that was done uh, in free agency uh, to pick pick players and put them where where they they fit into us allows us to be in this draft and take guys that that bring us maybe the highest end opportunity uh, because we're not stuck on having the take a player at one particular position or to fit into a little, uh, you know, shoebox. So um, I, I, we're in this, this draft to try to take guys that can impact us because they're special players and, and uh, not necessarily just to fill a need and try to hit a need. So a lack of trades or at least what we thought we would see in a normal draft yesterday and could be because of the virtual draft and, There's a lot more hoops that you have to jump through doing everything virtually on the phone and technologically that could go wrong. Uh, We saw less action than we might have thought. But also it now is a part of the consideration that every team is planning with the possibility of a shortened offseason program. And how will that affect your young players and your rookies? Pete Carroll talking about how it's important for them to do the right things with young linebackers, including the uh, linebackers they drafted last season. Bobby plays in the middle, but the, the two other side, Will and Sam Backer, they, if you watched our film last year, they're inside and outside, coming off the edge, playing behind line of scrimmage. They really have to do all of it. So that's a, a great attraction to, for, for this kid for us. He can, he'll definitely fit in. We're not even worried about it at all. It's just to situate the guys. It's really important for us to make good decisions with the young guys, particularly possibly in a shortened offseason and an abbreviated preparation period, that, that we put them in the right spot. We don't overdo it. Don't give them too much to do. 
Pete did mention that it has always been important for him to play young players, although in the past couple seasons, uh, we haven't seen as much from the youngsters or the new rookie class as maybe in years past. Yesterday, also, Brock Heuer, Dave Wyman, doing an amazing job of recapping the picks and talked about what they saw from Brooks when they looked at his tape or they saw him in person. Brock Heuer first. I uh, was going to see him play his final uh, college game, but he didn't uh, because he had a shoulder injury. And I was bummed that I did not get to see him play because he was a tackling machine. Texas Tech, not known for defense. This is the one thumper. This is the one speed guy. He's only six foot. He's 240 pounds. The concern is the durability and the size. But this guy, Dave, if we want thump and we want tackling on the Seattle defense and a guy that is vicious in the nose for the football, you're going to find him out of Lubbock, Texas. And Clayton was right. This is a surprise that nobody saw coming. Tackling machine. Dave Wyman, happy with this one. But I mean, this is such a John Schneider. I've been sitting here with a big smile on my face because this is such a John Schneider move right here. I mean, nobody would have thought that he would take take him. You watch him play. He's incredibly tenacious. He's a bulldog. You know who he reminds me of? You mentioned 400 tackles. Reminds me of back in the day when Mike Singletary came out of Baylor. Yep. I mean, he's a little guy. This guy's six feet tall. And yep. he just made every play on the field. All and they he loved did him. was just make tackles everywhere. We know how that worked out in the case of Mike Singletary, of course. But Brock Heward also on the position of need. Uh, well, people wondering about the D-line, but your position of need, according to Brock Heward. Three o'clock at four. It's a position of need for this team. What did Dave Wyman say at three o'clock at four o'clock? What is the biggest thing this defense needs? It needs dudes to hammer it. It needs a hammer, and there was not a DN that was a hammer. Chase Sun goes off the board at 20. There's not another edge defender with twitch. That was Kayla Vaughn, Chase Young, and yes, the uh, drop-off even from Chase Young to the next best defensive end is sort of a steep drop in this draft. Heward really impressed with Brooks, did mention that recurring shoulder issue. I'm like, man, this dude is a baller. Like, why why isn't he, like, an All-American? Like, he is... He is the one guy on that defense that gets home, that flies around. They blitzed him all over the place. He's lightning fast. He's 240 pounds. And it turns out he had a shoulder like Wyman that just kept popping in and popping out and popping in. And he sucked it up as long as he could. And he finally said, nope, at the end of the year, I'm going to I'm gonna, you know, shut it down for the final game. And, and he didn't play in that game. It's why I didn't put him on any of my lists. Brock Heard also on uh, what K.J. Wright might be thinking at this moment. He's tough. He tackles. He's fast. In this defense, Dave, they need speed. That second level of this defense, they need speed. And if I'm K.J. Wright tonight, I'm going, okay, this is interesting. Because <laughs> Bobby's middle linebacker, Cody Barton and Bruce Irvin, they're the strong side linebacker, and they just took this dude in the first round and didn't trade down and took him at 27. If I'm K.J. tonight... I think I just looked at my replacement whenever that may be. Coming up on the Blitz, more from Dave Wyman and Brock Heward as they speak to John Clayton about this selection, plus the remaining picks the Seahawks have to their name and what they could do with them in day two of the draft next on the Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is the Blitz. 
Welcome back to the Blitz of Six. Liddy Cruz alongside with you Friday, April 24th. Made it to Friday, y'all. Feels good. More draft coverage coming your way on 710 ESPN Seattle today. Both live on the air and afterwards recapping the picks yesterday. That's what happened between Dave Wyman, John Clayton, and one Mr. Brock Heward. And Dave and Brock uh, trying to sell Clayton and maybe some Seahawks fans in general on Jordan Brooks here. Listen, I don't know what to tell Seahawks fans that are texting in. <laughs> they want you to talk I, I them off the it, ledge, man. Dave. I know, I know. And so, Run and you hit. know, look, we, Run and we hit. Just, we're like, going to have to see I'm not but, on I mean, the text toy, Dave. Text that back. Run no, and I know. Your defense <laughs> yeah, couldn't that's stop the, the run. Your defense gave up they over were not five physical. yards a carry. So don't tell me how yeah. great Bobby and KJ and they had your D, and it wasn't all them. Their D line was a major culprit, but you could not run and hit. You did not have thump on your defense. You couldn't stop the pass yeah. for eleven weeks either, trying to play base Brock. and drop into the But zones. they had no pass rush. I mean, that's the 28 sacks. And, you know, the linebackers had to get involved and the cornerbacks had to get involved with a little bit of blitzing to get any kind of pressure on the quarterback. How about the run, yeah, but, but about the run the, defense? The, the that fact that they didn't have pass left. rush, though. What's that? Yeah. The other thing is, look, there just was no time to get to the quarterback because they played so soft. I mean, a lot of times you go back and look at the film. Yes. And I've gone back and looked at every game. Yeah. I mean, they, they were playing so soft and not aggressively that anybody could have got the ball out nobody was going to get a sack there's just not enough time to get there when the ball is coming out like right away so they just need to be more aggressive nastier on defense and i want to see big hits and that we just didn't really see that last year brock let me ask you does this guy does this guy bring more of what they need whether it's nastiness tackling hitting than some of the other guys we had heard attached to this team in the mock drafts whether we're talking about gross mottos or yes. Epinesa, yes. yes. or any of the, or Diggs, or any of these other players we talked about as possibilities. Does he bring more of that than any of those others do? In in the front seven, Bob. In the front seven, he does. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. My my line went out for a second. I think Seahawks fans tried to cut my line here at the house. <laughs> um, in the front seven, he does. In the front seven, there was not another edge rusher. It's not Epinesa or Grossmato. Those guys don't have. The run and hit. Now they play end. So what would you rather have? Would you rather just meet that needed end, or did you look at it and say, you know what, we need run and hit? And I guarantee you. Well, I can't say I guarantee you, but you know who it is going to be picking in the thirties there, uh, and more than likely adding to his defense with Luke Keekley retiring was going to be Matt Rule, who comes out of the Big Twelve. So if you say, oh, we could have got this guy in the second round, Matt Rule knew what this dude was in the Big 12. Those Big 12 coaches knew the only defensive guy on that entire team at Texas Tech was that all-league guy that had 400 tackles in his career. So I get it. Nobody knew his name. I didn't mention his name largely because of that injury history. But if you want to run and hit, and that's what this defense did not do the last two years. I'm sorry. You gave up five yards of rush the last two seasons. You were no longer violent. You tried to address it last year with Marquise Blair in the second round. And you know what? Let's hope he takes a big step and is violent at the back level. This guy will be more violent than Cody Barton, more violent than K.J. Wright, more violent at this stage of the game when he gets on the field than those guys because simply his ability to run and hit. But I throw to you, is he going to get on the field? And I would say he's not. Because now, I mean, you've got no offseason program. 
you may not have a single preseason game where you can try to bring that thumper or attitude on the field. I mean, you know, like a lot of these rookies being drafted, they're more yep. drafted for the future than they are the present. And so, yeah, he has, he may be great for the future, but I don't know how much he gets on the field. We just watched that last year with Marquise Blair. Yeah, well, wouldn't it been, be nice then to at least have KJ as that guy, and this is your insurance policy. Right, this is your guy that, that ultimately Cam and Earl knew they drafted their, their replacement. We talked about it and bragged about it with San Francisco, finding that next model. So if you're KJ this year and with no offseason, you're the guy that can still get it done. But instead of not having a true will that could run and hit behind you, now you got a real hungry dude. And what did you say, Dave? What do you want your, your defensive players in high school to play with? Like it's an emergency. Yes. Watch this kid's tape, yeah. Seahawks fans. And watch his tape. Just yeah. watch the tape. And tell me that that dude does not play every snap like an emergency. All right. Yeah, yeah and we just didn't see that. There's no urgency um, uh, last year. That was uh, Bob Stelton, Dave Wyman, Brock Hewitt, John Clayton discussing that pick yesterday. Some uh, some friendly debate over that one. What there wasn't debate over yesterday was Joe Burrow, QB out of LSU, going number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. Although. You know, they did use a lot of time on the clock just to make it interesting when they probably knew uh, their first pick for months. But Joe Burrow joining Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter yesterday to chat about that experience of going number one overall. You know, it really hasn't hit me yet. I've been super focused on, on bettering myself as a player, and this is just the next step in doing that. So I'm super excited to get back to work. Um, I think that's the mentality I have to keep if I want to keep improving. It was no secret that this was happening, but when, when Cincinnati finally makes it official and you get a call or, or you speak to the president, like what, what happened when you knew officially from them to you, all right, this is happening? First thought that went through my mind was I'm ready to get to work. Um, I think that's, that's the way that we're going to win a lot of football games. I'm going to get to practice and get, and get to doing what I do best, and that's preparing the best way that I can. When, when you spoke to Susie Colbert, you talked about that because you made a massive leap. You know, like in 18, you were thought to be a prospect. McShay said, what, maybe fourth round or something. Well, now you're the first pick and the work that led to that. From, from that to becoming a, a, a contributing quarterback in the NFL is going to require a lot of work. Is there anything, Joe, specifically you feel like you're going to have to tighten up between now and whenever we get back to football? You know, it's just everything. Everything at the at the next level happens a step faster. So I'm working on my my footwork, my release, my arm strength, my speed, um, all of the above. You know, everything just has to has to be a step faster and a, and a twitch better. Because this isn't out in Vegas, and because it isn't this gigantic spectacle. You know, we we see you and your folks. You're just in your house. You know, like like a, a regular night hanging out with your folks. Except your life's changed. Like it's it's surreal for all of us. So like, how do you go about celebrating? You know, the greatest night of your life. It feels super weird. We've just you know I've been doing all these interviews. I've been checking in to see which one of my guys are are getting drafted. Um, and so after this, I'm going to sit on my couch and and watch the rest of the draft. Just hang out, just eating some wings, I think he was, uh, right before chatting with Scott Van Pelt yesterday. But Joe Burrow headed uh, to play, not hometown, but hometown state. And uh, pretty cool because he's been very vocal about where he does come from, Athens, uh, Ohio, and it being, you know, an impoverished place. A lot of people living below the poverty line. 
and and just saying everything he does is for his hometown. So kind of cool to see that moment. It was just him and his parents hanging out on the couch, uh, chilling, respecting the social distancing rules and everything going on right now. But congrats to him. Up next on the Blitz, more of those moments from the draft yesterday, as well as some head-scratching ones next on the Blitz, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. It's time for The Hot List. Holy mackerel! The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 645. Heck yes! What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go! Seahawks weren't the only ones with a maybe surprise moment in the draft yesterday. The Packers moving up to number 26, the spot just ahead of the Seahawks in order to nab quarterback Jordan Love out of Utah State. Someone who's had vastly different reviews and rankings depending on which source you go to, from first-round talent to undrafted. And the arm talent, definitely there, but a lot that he needs to improve on at the next level, most scouts seem to agree. Although the arm being such a special talent and the person being a special talent, well, the Packers end up selecting him. Uh, And how does Aaron Rodgers feel at this moment? He is the exact same age that Rodgers was uh, when he came to the Packers with Brett Favre already on the roster. So a lot of people pointing that out yesterday. And the Packers GM, Bryant Gutkust, uh, talked about how, well, first of all, he believes Rodgers is still the best quarterback in the NFL. We've got the best quarterback in the National Football League, and we plan to have him for a while, competing for championships. So I can understand you know, the fan base and people thinking, kind of, why would you do this at this time? But I just think the value of our board and the way it's at, um, it was the best thing for the Green Bay Packers. And um, we're really excited to get Jordan here and, and, and get him into our system. Gutkunst talking about the Packers planning for the long term. I haven't connected uh, with Aaron yet, but you know he's obviously been through this. You know he's a pro, and I think it's uh, certainly this is something that is a, a long term uh, decision. And when you go through kind of the way things went tonight, you kind of you're in the short term and the long term. And the way the board fell, just this was the best decision for the Packers. But uh, I think you know obviously Aaron's been around for a long time, and uh, he knows what we're playing for right now. So that's what's most important right now. Um, but did he speak with Aaron before that selection? I know that we've had some conversations about different personnel issues and things along the way. I don't know if we particularly talked about that, but he understands when he, you know, he obviously with his experience being drafted when Brett was here, taking one of the years here after he was here and drafted a couple of quarterbacks. But it's, it's part of the business that he's, you know, there's anybody that understands where it's him. And he's you know, really focused, I think, on doing something here legacy-wise. I really appreciate that. And certainly we're going to try to do we can to put guys around him to, to accomplish does he understand? Ah, I don't know. Mike Kolick, uh this morning, admitting that he was a little stunned by that pick. I'm stunned at this pick. I mean, move up and get someone that can help you now. I, and boy, I can't wait for Aaron's thoughts on this. You know, I mean, as you mentioned, they haven't gotten a, a, a you know a specialist type of a player since you know they wore face masks in the league. Mike Kolick Jr. Uh, talking about. Uh, 
how he believes it will sit with Rodgers. In the second year with a new head coach, you now want to throw this wrinkle into it because you can talk about legacy and all that stuff and what this, you know, doing what's best for the franchise. The bottom line is in year two with a new head coach, you have essentially sent your quarterback the message in the first round, right, wrong, or indifferent, that I could see perceived that, hey, we're starting to look at this horizon and this runway into the future without you. So much so that instead of prioritizing this year and fortifying this offense with another weapon or a high-end weapon in this draft, we decided to say, you know what, let's start thinking about what happens next. And I don't know how that's going to sit with a guy who seems as prideful and who seems as willing to hold a grudge as Aaron Rodgers. What? Aaron? No way. Just relax. Five letters. Dan Graziano speaking yesterday as well. The Packers haven't drafted Rodgers a lot of help. Well, look at it this way. If you're Aaron Rodgers, this is the first time the Packers have drafted an offensive skill position player in the first round since Aaron Rodgers. They've never drafted him a wide receiver. They've never drafted him a tight end. They've never drafted him a running back in the first round. And now he's looking. Mike McCarthy goes to Dallas. His first year in Dallas, they draft a wide receiver in the first round. So if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're sitting there thinking, come on, you're not only you're not getting me help, but now you're replacing me? It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Rodgers had some some comments earlier this offseason where he talked about it and said, whoever it is isn't going to beat me out anytime soon. And he's right. Jordan Love is a young player who needs to develop. So this is looking years down the road and, and Rodgers being 36 years old, obviously the Packers are uh, wise to be doing that. Uh, Ryan Clark on uh, the type of mentor he believes Aaron would be. I can't think of a more miserable mentor than Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, that might be true. Also, though, a significant about that pick right there is that the Seahawks ended up not trading out of the 27 spot, and it wasn't for a lack of trying or effort, and this trade right here uh, might have been a result of that. Uh, Schneider had said that he had a trade lined up. Real excited, obviously, with Jordan. Uh, we took the best player on the board. Uh, actually had a trade set up a little bit to go back um, a little bit. I can't say where, but... Uh, uh, fell through at the very at the very last minute, and bang, he was still there. And so Jordan Brooks then falling to them at number twenty-seven. Uh, Schneider also noting that he was surprised about the lack of trades in general. Yeah, I was I was very surprised. I thought that uh, more people would do things. It felt like things just kept coming off. But we were ready. We were prepared. Our guys, you know, uh, Scott Fitter and, and um, Matt Thomas. You know, who's who turns in the trades and Matt Barry, who turns in the name. And, you know, I was speaking with uh, Brian Gutekunst, too. So he was cool. He was like, hey, sorry, man, we got a better deal. And all of a sudden they were on the clock. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Yesterday, the rest of the first round, at least the beginning of it, shaking out like a lot of people anticipated the first overall selection was Joe Burrow, quarterback out of LSU. Headed to Cincinnati, and Zach Taylor speaking on who Joe Burrow reminds him of. Uh, you know, he reminds me, he does remind me mentally um, of the guys that I've been around. I can only reference him because I know I've, I've been around him. Was Peyton and Matthew Stafford were two, uh, they're two very, very intelligent players. Uh, they know how to play the position. Uh, I see a lot of, of their makeup uh, in him and Joe. And I'm not, not to say that I'm comparing him to either one of those two, but just as a guy that is going to come in and be prepared to be a starting quarterback as a rookie and the expectations are high. How those guys went about their business, I see a lot of similar things in Joe. 
Zach Taylor also promising that they'll never pick at number one again. Well, we don't ever, we will never pick at number one again. Uh, we don't want to pick in the top 10 ever again. And so, you know, this is, we're looking at this is the only time that you're going to get a player of this caliber and get a chance to add them to the, to the program. And so obviously that's a big deal, you know, and there's a lot of expectations that come with that, but we're going to challenge him just like we challenge our veterans, just like we challenge the guys that we're going to pick here in these next two days. The rest of the top five also pretty predictable. Number two, Chase Young, defensive end from Ohio State, headed to Washington. Uh, at number three, Detroit selected cornerback Jeffrey Okuda out of Ohio State. Just all three of the uh, first selections were once teammates at Ohio State in 2017. Number four to the New York Giants, Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle out of Georgia. A lot of tackles in that first round, but Andrew Thomas being the first one of them, and a lot of people didn't even have them labeled as their best tackle in this draft, but so surprising some people at number four, uh, although they knew that uh, New York was apt to take a tackle there, just the player actually surprising some people. Number five, Miami getting their guy, getting to a Tongo Bailoa, the quarterback out of Alabama. And despite working back from that injury and that being a lot of people's concerns, Tua is pretty confident he'll play in 2020. Well, I think what, what makes me confident in, in the aspect of me being able to play would, would be what the doctors have told me. Uh, as far as rehab, as far as the medical rechecks, I, I've checked off all the boxes. And so that's that's what I, I've been really standing on. And that's that's kind of what I've, I've been going with. Um, that's why I, I would say I, I've been really encouraged to say that I I mean, I, I'm, I'm able to, to play if, if need be. He also said he's going to co- come in and compete like he is the starter, and that's just who he is as a competitor. And number six, L.A. Uh, Chargers getting their quarterback of the future, Justin Herbert. Someone not named Phillip Rivers going to wear that Chargers jersey. And out of the Pac-12, representing Oregon in this one, Justin Herbert. Does he feel a pressure being the face of the L.A. franchise? It's a team... Obviously not in L.A. at the time, but a team that he rooted for as a kid. I wouldn't say it's pressure. I would say it's an incredible opportunity, and um, it, it's a chance to do something special. And uh, to be given this this opportunity, I'm going to do everything I can to, to make the most of it. I want to be the guy that um, they want me to be, and I want to be the guy that I want to be. And I want to be the quarterback and, and the friend, teammate that, that I need to be. And there's so much that I can improve on, and um, I'm going to get better. I'm going to do everything I can to be the best quarterback I can be. On those that question his leadership. I think if you ask anyone at our, our facility at Oregon, they'd tell you differently. And um, I know what type of leader I am. I'm, I'm genuine. I'm real. I'm myself. And when, when something needs to be said, I don't have a problem saying it. Um, I feel so comfortable with the way that I've, I've grown as a leader these past few years. And um, I know that, that my guys and my team would, would tell you the same thing. And um, it, it hasn't been an issue for me at all. At number seven, Carolina selected defensive tackle Derek Brown. Arizona, uh, the first of the NFC West teams to uh, pick, took Isaiah Simmons, linebacker, out of Clemson. Uh, Maybe one of the most versatile athletes in this draft. People saying you're getting three players in one, and Arizona's defense continues to improve. We already know that their offense can do with Kyler Murray and now adding DeAndre Hopkins. Thanks, Bill O'Brien, for that one to the mix. At number nine, Jacksonville selecting cornerback C.J. Henderson. And at number 10, rounding out the top 10, Jedrick Wills Jr. from Alabama, the offensive tackle, the next uh, offensive tackle off the board. Well, the rest of the NFC West got things interesting. Uh, San Francisco with the first trade of the day, and they ended up picking at number 14, Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle out of South Carolina. Now, basically... 
sending DeForest Buckner to the Colts and then using the pick that they got for that to get a guy uh, in the interior that you can have as a younger, cheaper version of that. So pretty savvy move by them, I'd say. Denver ended up taking Jerry Judy, wide receiver out of Alabama. I was a little worried. Jerry Judy, we'd have to face him two times a year and he'd haunt my nightmares. But uh, they still got a ride receiver. San Francisco did. Ended up picking at number 25 and getting Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. The wingspan is incredible. Uh, A wide receiver for them, so adding to their offense as well. Uh, As for the Rams, no pick in the first round. So that that would wrap it up for the NFC West yesterday. And the Seahawks, of course using their original first-round pick at number 27 overall by selecting linebacker Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech, shocking a lot of people. Six foot, 240, uh, pretty speedy, 40-yard dash time, and consistency. That was a word we kept hearing yesterday, a tackling machine, but productive for all four years, earning honors uh, in all of them as well. And John Schneider talked about this yesterday. Why pick Jordan. So it worked out great. Really, really excited to to add a real tough, uh, great person. You know, Jordan's the youngest, seven. He's got a he's got a twin sister. He's he's been through a lot. He's overcome a lot. He's got a ton of grit. Uh, he's our kind of guy. Uh, can fly 233 pounds and ran 446. And you know, just just a great kid. He had a great formal interview at, at the combine, and uh, he's just. Uh, He's just a real passionate kid. Football, football's the deal for this guy. Yeah, he he mentioned that too. And Jordan talked about how he now watches film religiously. That was just you know push from my my, my position coach last this His name Coach Patterson, Texas Tech. He was just pushing me to you know just come in there and watch a little bit more extra film. You know, at first I was kind of being a little bit rebellious to it because it was something I was supposed to do. He's a little rebellious at first, but now at this point in his career, it's part of his habit, watches it religiously, and he feels comfortable filling in wherever the Seahawks need him. I feel confident. Um, it was something that I got a chance to do a lot in last year's system. You know, I, I didn't get as many sacks as I wanted to, but I, I, I definitely got there. I got back there a lot and caused a lot of disruption in the back there. So I feel pretty comfortable, you know, getting by office linemen, office tackles, guards, whatever they want to do. He feels comfortable rushing the passer if that's what he's asked to do. He played outside linebacker for three seasons, then middle linebacker his senior year, and he will go wherever Pete Carroll needs him. Pete Carroll did mention that he could play outside if necessary, and it's just the fact that he can be so versatile that is really an asset to this team. That's a wrap for the hot list. The Seahawks still six picks to their name so keep it here on 710 espn seattle for more coverage all throughout the day live as the draft unfolds today as well as recapping it that's a wrap for the hot list and the entire blitz at six hour everybody have a safe and healthy weekend we'll talk to you soon right here on 710 espn seattle